0: Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K-Coffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. It's good coffee, folks. Today, I have a fun interview with the man who has been working out Redskins receiver Steven Sims this offseason. That's David Robinson, a receivers coach based in Dallas. He's worked with a lot of top receivers including Des Bryant, Antonio Brown, as well as Chris Godwin, among others. He also has helped train former Redskins tight end Jordan Reed. We talk about all those players, including whether Reed really does want to play again, what kind of shape is does Brian in, but the focus is on Stephen Sims. I think you will enjoy what he has to say. And then I talk one of my favorite topics, grilling, smoking, and brisket me the grilling season never ends and I'm sure that's the same for my guest tailgate Ted but because it's almost the summertime let's kick off the so-called grilling and smoking season with a little brisket talk and don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com this weekend I'll have a story on the friendship between Redskins defensive end Chase Young and Orlando Magic guard Markel Fultz they were teammates at DeMatha High School and how it helped push the Redskins' newest defensive end. But first, my interview with receivers coach David Robinson. And by the way, you can follow him on Twitter at DrobAlwaysOpen. It's D R O B always with the Z open. I appreciate you joining me. And I want to talk to you, obviously, a little bit about Steven Sims. And there's a couple other guys that you're working with that I think are of note this offseason, as you always work with them. First of all, I do want to talk about Steven Sims first, since he's the Redskins guy, and this is a Redskins podcast. And I saw like, Red, uh, somebody on Twitter, Redskins Today, had tweeted out that in a text to them, you said that Steven Sims is going to be a star in this league. Why do you think that?
2: Well, he has all the intangibles, especially the way the game is played right now, using the, the slot receiver, um, using a lot of Mitch matches, um, getting guys open in space. Um, he has that short area quickness about him. A lot of people don't know that uh, he's a four or five guy. Um, right, but he run He plays four or five every single route. You know, right. and that's tough to find in any receivers, especially the guys that run the four threes, the four fours. So his short area quickness is just as good as Antonio Brown's. Guys like that, uh, Sterling Shepard, the guys that are getting paid a lot, of big money, that are playing slot receivers, um, in the NFL, um, uh, he definitely uh, has those characteristics about him. So, did you work with him before the draft? No, he just got with me, um, this offseason. He was supposed to work with me uh, for the draft, but uh, his agent, of course, didn't think that he was going to be a high round pick or whatnot, and didn't want to spend the money on on the gotcha. training. So he said she shipped him out to somewhere else. But um. He's been in contact with me since he's been in Kansas though, wanting to
0: work with me. And with 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 um Stephen, did you go back? Did you watch his games last year? How much did you see of him?
2: Yes, I went back and watched a lot of tape of him last year. And he does a lot of his work a lot in the slot, you know, uh, running the cross, deep crossing routes, um, the option routes on the nickel di- dime backs. So um, it's hard to, it's hard to find a guy that can you know cover him because most of those DBs. Or 5'11, 6 feet and up. And Steven's like 5'8, five, 5'9, five, and um, he's cat quick.
0: What did you see in Because he was fun to watch last year. When he started to get it, he was really hard to cover and he left guys stumbling and falling all over the place. So what were some of the little things that maybe you saw him progress in as you watched from early in the season to late? Well, the things that I saw um
2: at the top of his routes, he was he was able to drop his weight. A lot better at the top of his routes um, on his curls comeback routes and on his speed outs and stuff like that from the beginning of the season towards the end of the season he was able to drop his weight a lot better um, and keep his foot placement up under him transitioning out of his brakes, and he looked a lot more smoother and you could just tell just by him being around um a lot of nfl receivers and being around
0: ike hilliard that really helped him out in his development so w- what about like you know, obviously playing receiver, there's a lot about the um the understanding, especially at the slot position, because you have a lot of choices and you know things that you have to run through. What have you seen in him just from his knowledge of what he needs to do and how he needs to get open and how he needs to tap attack a corner in that spot?
2: Yeah, just being with him this offseason, um, just going over different scenarios with him and just listening to him talk, you can just definitely tell that um he understands. Uh, leverage when guys are playing outside shade of him. If he has a particular route, or their, or their head up, or inside, so he already has his his mind made up on the moves that he's going to make on, based on the defensive backs leverage. And you can just tell his understanding of that game, of the game, um, is, is IQ is very high. So with him being a smart receiver, understanding zone man, how defensive back is playing you, he understands how to set a defender up to create and get himself open. So um, he's going to be able to play in this league a long time if he stays healthy
0: were you surprised by what you saw? when, yeah, you were working
2: when with him? I first saw him I was definitely was surprised that um he went undrafted, you know, because I've worked with guys in the past that, you know, but that went before him that got drafted or whatnot that are playing in the NFL and he looks just as good if not better than a lot of those guys that went, you know, went mid-round um, to, you know, uh 4th, 5th round picks. So, I definitely believe that he was a steal. What do you
0: think teams missed on him?
2: Well, they just were, you know, at his size. They want that elite speed, you know. Right. And when you're coming out of a school like Kansas or, you know, somewhere like that his low tier in their conference, um, they want to see a guy at his size run fast. So I think that's the only thing that really hurt him uh, was his 40 uh, when he ran a four five and did run in the 4.4, 4.3 four, range. Um, but I definitely believe that uh, if he would have ran faster, he would have got drafted.
0: So who else has he, when you've been working with him, what other receivers have been there that maybe he's been able to learn from? Well, the guys that he's been in a a
2: lab with here in Dallas have been um, guys like uh, Fred Brown, who's going on his fourth year in the NFL, Rashard Higgins, um, who plays with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, He's been working out a lot with him. Uh, Chris Godwin, he's here in town, you know, so he's been able to work with him as well um uh, Laquan Treadwell who's going on his fifth year in the NFL so guys like that uh Dez Bryan's been out here so just you know picking up knowledge from those guys just on how to sustain his body and 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 the meetings and and the film work just a little stuff that can get you over the hump and make you last in the NFL and, and the main thing with with Steve's situation that he's going to have to continue to dominate these next few years in the special teams aspect as well
0: right and what, what are, are there some are there some little things that you feel like that they, he's been really able to pick up that you've already seen when you you know, you know started with him to the you know later in working with him that maybe he picked up from those receivers that he already incorporated into his game? Yeah, well, when I first got with him, he had a tendency. Um, he had a really good job
2: of sinking his hips, dropping his weight to the top of his route, but his arms used to die a lot of, at the top. So he was out of control a little bit coming out of his route. So um, we were just harping on keeping his elbows above his waist and keeping his arms tighter to his body. Um, and pumping them faster. That way his arms and feet are in sync when he's coming out of his brakes. So he doesn't feel any wasted motion. So he's got a lot better at that of not running around his inside foot, planning coming off his 45 degree angles. So um, he's been pushing off his outside foot now and he, look, he looks a lot more explosive uh, with his arms and feet. So he looks smoother and more natural and polished. So you can definitely tell that um, he's been watching Fred, Dez, a lot of those guys sink their hips and work their arms on to the top of the routes. And he's been implementing it in his route running.
0: How, how about in terms of his desire, you know, you, as you know, guys a lot of times last in this league because of their desire. Where is that at with him in terms, you know, the hunger, the desire? Where is that at with him, do you think?
2: Well, I think it's up there, um, you know, with Emmanuel Sanders, the Antonio Browns of the world. He wants to be a Pro Bowl type receiver. And you can just tell um, before the workout, he has someone that comes with him, uh, his own personal trainer that he flies down with him, um, who stretches him out. Um, and he watches Steve, works out with me. So the the, the things that I harp on Steve about is, um, his trainer, his functional movement trainer goes and works on with his balance and the stuff that I'm asking him to do so he can get better at that. So he's already taken the steps of having a massage person, uh, you know, um, having a chiropractor person, just getting the maintenance on his body right, um, getting a meal prep person. So you can tell that he's serious about it. and 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 just being around the NFL for a year and listening to other guys that are in the group, that I work out with uh, picking up knowledge has definitely helped him.
0: You also brought up Des Bryant, and he obviously would like to still continue playing. What have you seen from him? Where is he at? Where is he at with his with him possibly, you know, being able to go back and play in this league? Well, yeah, Des, I mean, he's
2: he's about 90 to 100%. Yeah, he's pushing off that Achilles really well. There's no wasted motion coming out of his cuts. He looks he looks a lot more explosive. On his first 10 to 15 yard, getting off the football, you know, looks a lot lighter on his feet. He's dropped a lot of weight. Um, a few teams have been calling, inquiring about him, uh, want to work him out when all this stuff is cleared up. So I, I really can't necessarily say, but um, he's definitely uh, going to get
0: a shot. And you, you feel good about where he's like? Is he better? I mean, how much is he? Is he in any ways? Because a couple of years ago, the narrative was that well, he was kind of done. He was, you know, he wasn't the big play guy anymore. What do you see he could be able to do, given what you've seen from him, and like you said, dropping his weight and doing those things? What what would what could yeah. you expect from
2: him? Yeah. Well, what I think actually is, um, right now in his in his career, he's a good um, red zone receiver, um, a good uh, across the middle uh, third down, third and short. You know, he can go up and get those 50-50 balls. Of course, he's not going to run by anybody, but I definitely think from the thirty and in forty and in. Um, He can contribute to anybody's team, and he has a lot of experience and knowledge about getting open um, in the red zone. I hear I hear and listen to him talk to the younger receivers when we're doing red zone releases and things like that on how he was able to score 73 touchdowns in his career. Um, So he has a lot of knowledge that he can bring to any team to help those younger receivers um, win and score touchdowns when it matters in the red zone.
0: And it's funny because like in his, in his career, he was never really a guy that always ran by guys, too. So it's not like if he can't do that anymore, it's not like it's a huge drop off from his game, is it? Oh, no, definitely. It's not a drop off at all.
2: You can win when Dak's out there, even even when Patrick Mahomes was throwing to him, you know, um, they were coming to me, you know, pulling me to the side and was like, man, there's no way in the world that he still shouldn't be in the NFL. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way, you know, um, Kyle Murray. Um, he just got drafted a year ago. He threw it to him. His dad said the same thing, Kevin Murray, you know. So he still has it, man. It's just a team that's willing to take a chance on him, bring him in for a workout, and they're gonna be, you know, wild by, you know, how much in shape he is, how much weight he's dropped. And he looks, he looks good. Like, I mean, he looks like um, I say he was what, 30, 31. He probably he looked like he's about 27, 28, you know, moving. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. How much
0: weight has he dropped?
2: He's lost about 15 pounds. Wow. He's about 220 right now. To 218, 220.
0: Why do you, you know, because he obviously, I mean, part, again, I go back to the drive because in talking about, you know, that's, he's accomplished a lot already. Why do you think he's it still matters to him to get back out there? Well, I mean, when, when you
2: go through that situation, you've been with the organization for so long um, and, and you kind of get, you know, blindsided a little bit when they release them, you know, uh, you don't want to end your career off like that. And you definitely right. don't want to end your career. When, when another team picks you up and, and you messed up your Achilles uh, two days or so later, you know? So he still wants to prove to the fans in the, in the world of football that he's still Dez Bryant, you know, and, and that he still can come in and make any team better and which I believe he can. He has the work ethic now that he had when he first came out for the draft, you know, and, and, and it's hard. Cause he's, he has a, he has a, a chip on his shoulder and he has the best of both worlds. He came in first round pick, um, you know, got paid, went went through a couple of contracts, and now he's at the bottom of it, uh trying to get back into the NFL, you know, just trying to make a roster. Doesn't matter what the number is and what he makes, he just wants to prove himself. So
0: how long have you been working with him? Uh, about a year and a half, two years now. Okay. And now is released Antonio- him. Okay, and is is Antonio still doing his workouts with you?
2: Well yeah, he's he's in Florida right now, but um I haven't worked with him in about six six months or so. But he has been working out with me as well since you know, since uh he's been out the league and stuff like
0: that. How much how much do you do you think he'll
2: get another chance? I think he will. I think the things that he's been doing now that I've been seeing um on his social media and things like that, he's just showing nothing but his workout videos. He's not really going off on a lot of rants and stuff like that. So I think if a team comes in and just interviews him. Um, see where his mind is, see how, see how much he's matured Um, as a man, you know, off the field. um, I think they'll bring him in because the talent is still there.
0: And I think that's the thing is the talent has never really been the question for him. And, but you think he's been able to kind of sit back a little bit and reassess maybe his approach at all? Yeah, definitely. You can just see how he handled his kids and things like that.
2: He has his, um, his fiance or his kid's mother back in his life and things like that now. So with things like he seems like you know um, that he's trying to get things right. Uh, I'm sure that he's going to see someone um, that he's talking to therapy wise. I haven't heard that, but you can just tell through his actions that he's moving a lot different.
0: And then, do you still work out with Jordan Reed? Yes, absolutely. How how is he
2: doing? Well, Jay Reed has never been the 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 um, physical ability. I mean, he still looks good, looks really right. good in and out of his cuts. looks like an elite route runner, um, probably still, you know, the, the best route running tight end in the NFL, but he just hasn't had a chance to prove it with his concussions. He still wants to play, though. So I'm hoping that, you know, uh, a team takes a chance on him, but he's just going to have to show that he can take those hits still and that he can maintain.
0: Is, and so have you worked out with him this offseason? I worked out with him about four months ago. Okay, and so in terms of the mindset, did you ever sense any doubt from him that he wants to keep playing?
2: Well, before before um, camp this year started, um, before this season, he was um, coming to me when we were working out, just letting me know that you know his body feels good and things like that. But just let me know what the doctors and, the, and and stuff was telling him about how much how many more concussions that you know if he would continue to take. And he has, I think he has two two girls now, two little girls. Yeah. So he was thinking yeah. about it, um, but his heart, you know, his heart and, you know, his passion still wants to continue to play football. And I think he wants to give it one more run. Um, if it doesn't go well this way, then I think he's willing to give it up and retire.
0: You know, the shame so of it really is in training camp last year, he looked as good as I've seen him in about four years or so. He looked really, really good. I think that was the shame of him getting that other concussion is that I thought he was going to have a really big year if he could have stayed healthy, you know. And I don't know yeah. if you saw that in your workouts with him, but he looked really, really good.
2: Yeah, it's funny that you said that because while he was in camp, you know, he always every week he'll send me videos from practice, and I'll go over with him whether it's good or bad reps, uh, and and we'll, what we'll, you know I coach him up on, on on the reps and the reps that he was sending me doing teams, seven on seven, one on ones. Man, he was killing guys. Like, it was it was was crazy. So it just hurts me, man, that, you know, um, you see the guys like the Travis Kelseys of the world, you know, um, stepping up to the plate, you know, making big plays. And it's nothing against those guys. They're great tight ends. But if people can only see what Jordan Reed can really do on a regular basis, how he did in Washington those, those past few years before he got paid on a consistent basis, it wouldn't even be close.
0: No, I, I agree with that. But you think he still wants you? You definitely he definitely still wants to play, though, huh? Definitely still wants to play and still going to give it a go. Do you know? I know Seattle had talked to him. Do you know of any other teams that he's? Whether you can name them or not, do you know of any other teams that maybe had talked to him?
2: I have not spoken to him with uh, about the teams that that are interested okay. in. He's just been worried about you know just working out and stuff like that. So I don't know.
0: So and but and for, from your end, like. Do, do, does he ever ask you your advice if he could continue? Because there's a lot of concussions. That's the number one thing everybody gets worried about. But, you know, what would be your advice to him?
2: Yeah, he has asked me um, when we were in Miami a while back, before this season started. Um, you know, he was just asking me my thoughts on it. And, you know, I told him, man, I mean, coming from where you, you – got to look at your whole career from where you started from to, you know, because in, in high school a lot of people don't know he played quarterback. So right. and and like I was telling him, I said, when you got with me, you were coming from really only playing tight end, maybe three years, because he played two years in Florida. Then they got drafted third round to the Redskins. Right. So he really didn't even know, know the position of running routes. So he had to learn the whole position. Dominated the position. Ended up getting a big com contract, um, which which changed his life. So I mean, I just told him, if 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 you save your money right, what he has and things like that, man. I mean, if if, if if it's a, if it's a risk, then I think you need to retire because you're you're good, you're set. Um, right. But if you feel but if you feel that you know um, you have that itch and want to give it one more go, then I would give it one more opportunity. But if it doesn't work out for you that way, you need to you know you need to hang the cleats up. And he agreed with me. with me.
0: Yeah, and you know it's funny because like I he's a guy that I enjoy watching immensely because he makes guys look silly, and that's what I'll bring it back to Stephen Sims because. When you watched him in the second and like in December, for example, he was making guys look silly. So I'll end with this just one last question on Steven. But what did you see? When you would watch him like in those last couple of games, what would go through your mind as you watched Steven running those routes against some of those guys? One thing that came to my
2: mind was man, this Joker looks like a little pistol starter. <laughs> you know, I mean <laughs> like a little firecracker. I mean, it's 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 tough when I first when I first saw him, especially against the Cowboys, how they utilized them, I was like, oh, yeah, man, he's, he's going to be the next Tyreek Hill um, in, in the Washington Redskins offense. He's the next guy. The, the way the game is changing, that's the, that's the type of player and the receivers that the NFL are looking for, guys like that, the Miko Hardman, the Tyreek Hills, the little gadget, the gadget receivers. you know. Um, so I definitely think that uh, he's going to be a big part in the uh, Washington Redskins offense in, in the near future.
0: Hey, David, can you tell tell people where they can follow you on Twitter? Because you do provide good insight into the receivers that you, you train and all that. Where can they follow you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, they can follow me, follow me at, at D-Rob always open, um, always at the end of it with a Z. Um, so at D-Rob like always open.
0: I like the Z. I like the touch of the Z. That's pretty nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. This
0: will be a little different. There you go. Uh, David I appreciate it I appreciate you joining me and I always like talking to you whenever I get the chance because I do think you provide really good insight into the guys you train so thank you very much man I appreciate it it's always a pleasure after this break I'll be back with some grill and smoker talk with tailgate ted sometimes folks it's good just to talk a little food A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com. L-O-N-E-O-A-K coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Now I want to kind of steer the conversation away from football. I want to talk a little food, some smoking, some grilling. So I want to bring on Tailgate Ted. You guys know him. You can follow him. Ted, where, do you, where can they follow you on Twitter?
1: Twitter, Instagram, your different social medias, the handle's at Tailgate Ted. They're very simple. But you
0: guys should know them and, and very popular with Redskins fans and all that. But I want to bring them on because for me, this is about barbecue and grilling and smoking and all that. And first of all, Ted, how have you been holding up during this time? And are, how much, you know, for me, sometimes smoking has been a, a bit of a nice distraction. How about for
1: you? Well, grilling, barbecuing, smoking, it's its definitely been therapeutic because, you know, it's long hours and I've got nothing but time right now. I'm right. sure pretty much everyone's on the same page. You know, I've, uh, I remember a couple of tough Redskins losses thinking what it would be like not to cheer for sports in general. <laughs> and probably my life would be a lot happier. But I take every single one of those moments back when I dream that and wish that. And I would take a blowout loss any day right now. You know, it's funny because as a sports fan for the team, like for, as an Ohio State fan, there are many times I'm like,
0: I wish I could just go through a year without caring. And now I'm like, oh, you know what, be careful what you ask for, because I don't particularly like that right now. But, you know, it's funny, too, because they always talk about the beginning of grilling season, being around this time. And I kind of laugh at that because it, to me, it never ends. I'm oh, grilling wow. out there, smoking. If it's 30 degrees outside, you can get a fire going and get and maintain it. That's what I want to be doing. So it's just, it's always been a nice little distraction no matter what is going
1: on. <laughs> Definitely. There's not a season. You know, you just adjust for whatever Mother Nature throws at you. There you go. And that's, i love to do it. But I wanted to have you on and talk about some brisket. And part
0: of this is selfish because that's, the, that's a hard one to perfect. And, you know, like I've been able to get some other stuff really good. And with my brisket, I've had some that I feel are really good and some that are just like, OK, I don't like, OK, you know, and so but I'm curious for you. You've been doing this a while.
1: What is the key for you to to making a good brisket? You cook brisket and really any meat that you're going to smoke. There's a point where the meat hits a stall. Right. Go do any search bar platform, just type in barbecue stall. And I feel that that's where some people overreact. That's where some people turn up the temperature and they try and get through that stall faster. There's a reason why they say low and slow when it comes to actually smoking. And a lot of people try and skip that slow part and that low part to get out of that stall, which in turn really affects the final product. There are a couple different things that you can do and, you know, one of them is called the Texas crutch, where frankly, it's just wrapping your brisket. Everybody wraps it if you're going to wrap around a different temperature. I like to normally wrap my brisket in butcher paper, right? We all don't have butcher paper lying around, but really, you can just get it on Amazon. It's not that hard to get. Two-day Amazon Prime, get your butcher paper, and it's there. If you don't have that, frankly, you can just use foil, right? But the temperature itself that you wrap the brisket at, you have to have number one, a really good thermometer pen. Right. I like thermo pens just because they're instant read. I usually get a, a two-zone pen. That way I'm able to tell the temperature of my smoker and the brisket yep. itself. And I normally wrap around 160 to 165 degrees okay. internal temp. And because like that, you know, it's funny because like I sometimes I've wrapped it. I waited till about 170
0: or so. Is that a little bit too late?
1: Once again, it comes down to personal preference and how you want that brisket to turn out. Uh, I feel that for me personally and all smokers are different. But when I'm cooking on mine, I like to get around between 160 and 165. Really what happens when that stall is going on is there's liquid evaporating from that brisket, and it's actually cooling off the entire smoker. So the sooner you wrap it, the sooner you can try and stop that stall from happening, and then you'll push past it. That, and see,
0: and and the butcher paper is, I think is a big key too, because I've heard other people talk about that, that they've
1: had more success using that than anything else. Definitely, I've ton of success. I used to use foil just because frankly, I had it lying around the house. That's one less thing to keep. Right. But I ordered some butcher paper on Amazon. It was some peach butcher paper. I love this stuff. And something else I've done is I've actually put some apple cider vinegar. You can just use a different liquid inside when you're wrapping it in that butcher paper. Maybe some beef stock to help steam that brisket and still keep right. it kind of seasoned. And actually get past that stall as well. And then do you keep it wrapped? For, how? Do you keep it wrapped then? I keep it wrapped... For the entire smoke, after I get to that temperature, okay? Because it's already gotten enough smoke for those first couple of hours. It's not really going to get any more from that, right. right. So the one thing too that i've that I wrestled with, too is
0: the is the bark. And I, I actually feel like I've been getting good bark the last couple of times I've done it. And part of that is because I ask questions like I'll go to um, it was Lewis's barbecue in South Carolina, Charleston great place texas style barbecue texas style brisket um but you know they told me a few things so i did that and it's like it actually helped um for you what's the key for you getting a good bark? so
1: here's a little bit of a tip if you rub your brisket when you're seasoning it with some yellow mustard that's the key and then hit the seasoning on top of it it does a couple of things it makes sure that the seasoning doesn't fall off the brisket right but the acid in the yellow mustard helps break down the actual brisket itself it will help create that bark for you and it's not going to taste like a mustard brisket when you take it out
0: right that is exactly the tip that they gave me they said do you put must because i'll put mustard on other meats to do that with the ribs and some of the pork and whatever but i had i hadn't done that with the brisket and when i started doing that the bark was definitely better. And that's what was starting to annoy me. Is like, I'm getting the bark, but I'm not getting the tenderness that I want. And I think there is the patience thing is with the, with the stall. And then it's a matter of, to be honest, like a lot of times I think it's, you've got to put it on earlier. Don't try to plan, well, it's this big and it's going to take this long. We'll have dinner at this time. You've got to put it on earlier
1: and let it take as long as it does. Well, you want to make sure that when your brisket's done, you let it rest for at least an hour. Right, right. So you've got to plan that rest time into everything. So, it, I mean, yeah. it's an all-day thing. It is. Do you, put, do you have yours rest in a cooler, or do you just leave it out wrapped? It depends on how long I need it to rest. I try and not keep it resting in a cooler just because it's going to still stay hotter in there than I want it to, and it could potentially dry out a little bit more. But if I'm going to eat it immediately after I've got people coming over, you know, post quarantine, then I'll probably just leave it on top of a, you know, a butcher block, wrapped there and ready to cut instead of actually okay. sticking it in the cooler. How long did it take you to get the brisket down? It, it takes some time. You know, it, it takes it a lot of trial and error. And everybody's smoker is different, whether you've got an electric or vertical or a propane you kind of find the nuances of your smoker. You'll look on different websites and it'll say, you know, it takes anywhere from 12 to 18 hours to do a really good brisket. The reason why there's such that gap is, you know, it's your personal preference and, you know, getting that thing done. But the good news is you're still eating great barbecue along the way. That, that And that is true. And like, that's my, my, my measuring stick is always, is it, is
0: it, it was what I'm eating is what I'm making. Can I get the same quality at a restaurant? And if it's, you know, and there's some meats like the ribs and all that. I say, yeah, I'm going to, I can match. I feel like what I'm doing is really good. And like, you might go to a restaurant and not get something as good or just as good or whatever. With the brisket, depending, like you go to ZZQ down in Richmond, oh, yeah. they're going to blow me, They're they're blowing me away. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> they're pros. I'm not. But that's like, that's what I want to get is something like that. When you taste that, you want to have that at home too. Oh, yeah.
1: Every training camp down there. I, I always stop at ZZQ at least three times and take some back up to D.C. How does it compare for to what you make? Oh, they're better. I, they're not even going to lie. They are so much better. Just these guys are professionals with how they're doing that stuff. And I hope to get there. But, you know, I am a little biased. I do love my brisket as well. OK, Ted, listen.
0: I appreciate you joining me. I'd like to have you back on throughout at different times to talk about some other grilling things, because I think it's a fun thing. It's a fun distraction to talk about grilling. And we, you know, I can't always talk about X's and O's and (laughs) Redskins. I like this part of it. So I appreciate you joining me. Is there anything you want to plug right now? Anything you got going on? Anything
1: anything you got you want to mention? No, I appreciate that. Really uh, nothing going on at the moment with every single sport off So, you know, in regards to plugging, I mean, just take your time when you're cooking. Enjoy it. It's supposed to be fun and relaxing. Don't stress out. If you, you're messed up, you just get to try it out. There you go. Ted, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, John. After this break,
0: I'll wrap it up with a few thoughts based on Zoom interview sessions with two of the Redskins coordinators, Scott Turner and Nate Katzer. Welcome back. Now here are some nuggets of information you need to know. We had some Zoom sessions with the Redskins coordinators this week, starting with special teams coach Nate Katzer on Tuesday. We spoke with offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Wednesday, and then Jack Del Rio was scheduled for Thursday. I'll include some thoughts upcoming based off what Katzer and Turner said, because, folks, I'm having knee surgery on Thursday. It's just arthroscopic, probably four to six weeks. But it likely means I'm going to miss Del Rio. I'm not sure, but I think that's how it's looking. But I certainly won't be in a position to discuss anything he says. Besides, you'll probably already be listening to this before he talks. Anyway, let's go. With offensive coordinator Scott Turner, a lot of the discussion was, of course, about quarterback Dwayne Haskins. How he's coming along and learning the offense and what Turner liked about him. By the way, I wrote a story on all that Turner had to say about Haskins on ESPN.com. But here are some things that you need to know. Turner tests the quarterbacks every day with what they've learned, so it's easy to tell if they're learning or not. He likes how Haskins has progressed. He said that he'll quiz the quarterbacks on a defense, and Haskins will point out the correct coverage. For example, there might be a play where the safeties are showing a too high look, but the alignment of the weak side linebacker shows that they're going that one of the safeties is going to rotate after the snap. He likes that Haskins has been able to recognize this. It's not always perfect, but that's not a surprise. But Turner also liked that he could then tell the progression on a pass play based on the look. Of course, they'll need to get the players in the field before they can really tell what they know. But for Haskins and Turner, it's a good start. Turner also said in watching Haskins' film last year that he liked how he could handle a tight pocket. Too often pocket passers come out of college after having thrown in pockets that weren't tight at all or not messy, to use another lingo. It's hard to measure guys this way because NFL pockets are always messy and tight. He liked that Haskins could generate arm strength from those tight pockets and that he kept his eyes downfield. And one thing Turner mentioned was the confidence and how it takes a while to truly believe in yourself at this level. And he's right. I saw Dwayne Haskins wrestle with that last season. We all did. But it was late in the year when you could see the confidence come out just in the way he moved before, during, after games, the way he conducted himself. But the point, they are keenly aware of the need to build this area in any young quarterback. On the running backs, the key word in the, is competition. Turner mentioned that word several times, whether it was talking about receivers or the running backs. And, and, of course, some on the offensive line. As Turner said, if you're trying to improve the roster you, roster, you do so by adding as much competition when and where you can. It's hard to do it to the level that everybody wants at every position, but running back is one spot they could And they did. The big name to wonder about, of course, is Adrian Peterson. What's the role for a guy who is really a first and second down back in an offense that really values versatility? Keep in mind that Turner likes to run a lot of play action, and that means doing it on early downs with a back such as Peterson. The point is, though, there's a role for him. And Peterson can help in the pass game as a check down guy. He's not going to line up in a five receiver set and run routes and do things like that. But he can help by just by catching the ball on some swing passes or whatever. Um, however, with this position, there's nothing, there's nothing at all set in stone at this point with any of the running backs. So don't assume anything. But you also have to look at guys like Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick a little differently. Um, Gibson's versatility makes him a unique weapon on this roster, so he might be in competition as much with the receiver as, a, as he is with the running back for a roster spot. That's because they will use him as a running back, of course, but the point is maybe they keep one less receiver because of what he can do there, or same with McKissick. Um, McKissick is a third down back, but both he and Gibson have receiver backgrounds in college, so their route running is different than most running backs when they are aligned outside, and that helps that versatility matters to any offense but with guys such as Gibson and McKissick the Redskins should have a few options which should be fun to watch how it unfolds again their ability to run routes like a receiver it's pivotal here because not only can you regulate the defense with them in the game and you know and you can play off of how the defense then plays you you can use more than a couple routes for each one when again they're aligned wide you saw that on film from you know, from, Kyle, from McKissick watching him last year with Detroit, some of the routes he ran are just not routes that you see most running backs run. And yes, it wouldn't shock me to see McKissick and Gibson in the game at the same time and have the Redskins go to an empty set to see how the defense reacts. Finally, one word on Haskins based on how Chris Sims ranked his top 40 NFL quarterbacks. He placed Haskins at number 39. Now, typically, I really couldn't care less where anybody ranks a player. It's a subjective opinion, and to be honest, that's all it is here as well. Sims can think whatever he wants. I can think he's wrong. You can think he's wrong. The beauty of football is that Haskins can go out and prove it one way or another. I do think what it shows, though, is the Rorschach test that is Haskins. If people weren't sold on him before, I think they're going to point to the first two games he played as their evidence. If they liked him or they want to believe in him, they're going to point to his finish. It's also an indicator of this offseason where the lasting image of Haskins is from months ago. I wouldn't get worked up about any rankings because he's done quite a bit since the season ended and should be a different quarterback when we see him next, possibly not until August. Haskins remains a work in progress. Just keep that in mind. What he, the, way, the guy that we saw at the end of the season, I don't think that's the guy we're going to see um, come the start of the season because I think he's made, it sounds like he's made a lot of progress, and we'll see. That's why when you see these rankings, it's going to be based on what people saw last year, and it's just going to be so long ago that it may be a difficult way to do things. Now, on to special teams. A couple things stood out with Nate Katzer. Number one, he loves the versatility, going back to Antonio Gibson, that Gibson offers. It's what drew the Redskins to him on offense, but it'll help on special teams as well. Gibson has the size and speed to help in multiple ways. He can return kicks, or he can be aligned as the off-returner with Steven Sims back deep. If teams want to kick away from Sims, they can do so to someone who is faster and bigger. That doesn't necessarily make him a better returner, but it does show kicking teams' choices that they're going to have to make. Of course, most kickoffs result in touchbacks, but it could be a good duo for Washington. Gibson can also help at various spots in punt coverage, perhaps as someone who could block because of his size, but then release because of his speed. In some ways, that versatility reminds me of Brian Mitchell. Whether it will be good as, as good as Mitchell or not, it's not the point. But Mitchell could fill the role of four or five players, giving them flexibility and building a roster. If Gibson pans out, he could do the same. Catcher also mentioned how using Zoom sessions should make coaches better teachers. These are my words, but if nothing else, it will also reveal those who aren't. At its core, coaches are teachers. Anyway, Catcher seemed upbeat about what his players can learn online and how he can tell who's prepared, who's engaged. And then, you know, he pointed out that some players show up early for these meetings, too. That's also a good sign for coaches because it usually reveals something about that player. But classroom work is one thing, learning on the field is another, and it's probably harder for a special teams coach these days than other units because he usually has no idea who he'll have at his disposal. Some guys are core special teamers, and he'll know who those guys are now, but in a lot of cases, he's not sure who he'll have. That aside, the other issue is that for rookies, there's a big difference in the techniques used in the NFL compared to college. There's a lot more strategy that takes place, and therefore certain techniques will be different, how they approach their lane or defeat a block or their footwork, their hands, etc. It's not as simple as fill this lane and run down there. That's what special teams coaches are losing right now. As catcher said, there are some changes in techniques for players on offense or defense, but he felt like they were more severe on special teams when coming from college. Keep in mind, some rookies might not have played special teams in a while. What helps is that they have a good feel for what these new guys can do after watching them on film. Still, there will be some transition. Kind of wonder if they'll use more veterans on special teams, at least initially. It's too early to know, but it's something to watch. Well, that's it for this week. I greatly appreciate David Robinson joining me, as well as Tailgate Ted. I hope you picked up some tips on what Stephen Sims has been doing, and I hope you picked up some good tips on the brisket. I like talking about things other than the Redskins sometimes, so I hope you enjoy listening to that as well. And Don't forget to visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020. As always, thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.